What's up, everybody? You're listening to No Co Cinema here on WGM Plus. We are your guide to cinema here in the city of Chicago. I'm Tom Hush, and I'm Connor Cornelius, and we're very excited to be back with you for another week of Chicago film conversation. Uh, first, we've got a great we've got a great interview coming up here. We do. Um, looking forward to, it. and we'll we'll introduce him in a second. But there is some unfinished business. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. As you might remember, we we had a little bit of an Oscar bet for this year. I'm trying to forget it, but it's pretty much. It's been dominating my entire week. Yeah, I, which I would feel bad about, but um, that's what I get. Yeah, that's, that's what you get. Um, <laughs> if you if you didn't know, uh, Connor and I had a little bet about who was going to pick the most um, Oscar winners out of a ballot uh, ballot from the New York Times, and we narrowed it down to about the ten top categories. It's not to say that things like you know production design and you know best sound animated movie. Sure, not not. It's not saying they're not important, but we had to cut it off somewhere to make it um, a little bit more competitive. So, uh, and I just got destroyed. Yeah. Didn't I? <laughs> yeah, we. Uh, I think. Would you like to announce the winner? Uh, you want me? Oh wow! Yeah, please. I'm. You have to say it. Well, the Oscar mayor of Gloatsville goes to uh, Tom Hush for this year, obviously, and. And Tom, you truly are the best around. Yeah, I, I don't think that I don't think that anybody would dispute that. Certainly, nobody in this room. Um, however, maybe something that would hurt your reputation a little bit is the punishment that you have levied upon me for uh, for for losing. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. I uh, I decided that Connor was going. And thank you to everybody who uh, who threw in a suggestion for what bad movie connor was going to have to watch seven times in a row yeah uh over the course of a week uh you're watching the last airbender mm-hmm. the m night Shyamalan yeah. epic yeah based on the very popular nickelodeon television show now let it be known i love that television show that Me was too. A, a great show uh very well done fantastic uh work of animation yeah however the m night Shyamalan <clears throat> film is leaves a little bit to be desired in that department it's baffling honestly that movie it doesn't i don't understand what like the choices that that m night had and i don't want to just outright say that i think it's a bad movie but it's very difficult to watch one time it's very it's much more difficult to watch it seven times in a row over the course of a week when you have other things that you want to uh uh, be putting into your media diet. Yeah. Um, it's the not to go too far into it because we do have a couple great guests for this episode. But the the main th- my main qualm with it is that M Knight said that he wanted to have martial artists to be his actors to portray the main characters from the show. Yeah, because then they're uh, you know when they're doing the like bending motions or whatever because it is based off of like you know it is based off of cultural aspects of like martial arts Mm -hmm. they wanted that to be very authentic but for some like they're still using wires they're still using a ton of cgi why didn't they just hire you know regular actors for that and then they could just teach them how to do it the I'll, i'll say this the performances are not as compelling as they as they should have been for such a popular television show. And you also mentioned to me uh, 
when we were talking about this off the air that uh, one of the things that stuck out to you is is something that was a huge controversy at the time, which is the casting of white actors. Yes, as uh, Asian as Asian characters, essentially, like right. the entire show is based off of a lot of different culture from the from Eastern countries. So naturally, they decided to cast uh, a white dude as like Sokka. Sokka, and, yes, yeah. who was supposed to be like an Inuit style mm-hmm. character, but it's. It's not very good. Dev Patel, I'll give a shout out to Dev Patel. He did a good job. He does his best with the material. He does his best, but it's still, you know, it's incredibly difficult to watch. And uh, damn you, Tom, for making me do it. <laughs> How, have you done all seven? No, I've got one more to go. One more to go. Not include. I guess I have two more to go because I have to do it today and, and tomorrow. And St. Patrick's Day be damned. Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to be able in. to do it. <laughs> stay, stay in. in. Stay in and watch Avatar. Yeah. That's the... Uh, Maybe that's going to be the plan for today. What better way to pay homage to, to the, the patron Irish. saint of Ireland than watching a bunch last... of Irish actors perform it? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you're you're taking it like a good sport, um, you know. And there's always next year. There's always next year. But for now, I am the Oscar. My I am the Oscar, Oscar Mayor Wiener <laughs> of of the Oscar ballot. Oh, yes. And who knows? You know, I might I might falter. I might totally lose the mojo. For my sake, I really fucking hope so. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Enough of that. Uh, We're going to move into our interview for today. Uh, We are so lucky to be talking to a writer and director and also the producer of a film called Makeout Party. Uh, This is a, a short film that is... It's it's really hard to describe because it is so many fantastic things. It is a colorful look at a cast of characters going through a comedy of errors. Uh, it showcases so many fun, interesting uh, filmmaking techniques and also gives us a... Uh, a, a look, maybe not a look, but it gives us a, a work of art that spans so many different identities, whether it is uh, sexual, gender-based, or, or racial. It is uh, a veritable hodgepodge of fun and love and sincere, uh, interesting comedy. And I got I, I got to say, it had me grinning the entire time. Um, what about you, Connor? You, you watched it as well. Yes, I thought that the... My, my favorite part about it, being able to, you know, living in Chicago as as we all do, um, everybody that you know, everybody that lives in Chicago. Um, my favorite part about it was just the surreality of the film, and then that intersecting with all of these intersections that I noticed, yeah. and all of these different uh, like signs and like wall art and logos for different companies that um, that you guys all thanked at the very end, and that was just a nice. A nice little treat for me, I thought. It was an enjoyable experience all around. So right now in studio, we have producer Eve Rydberg. She is the producer on Makeout Party. And on the phone from Los Angeles, uh, from California, we have the writer and director, Emily Esperanza. Thank you both so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having us. Hi, thanks for having us. So um, let's get started with uh, Makeout Party's very unique vision. Uh, the first thing, as I said, that struck me was the way everything looked. It's it's so colorful. It's a neon dream, and it covers so many 
different aesthetics and different types of of it was, it was so fashionable. I found it. I found myself looking at all the outfits. I'm like, man, I wish I could dress like that. Uh, <laughs> well, you can, Tom. I can, and that's what this. If anything, that's what this movie proves. It says that you can be the. You can be who you want to be. Now, Emily, you wrote and directed this. Uh, tell us a little bit about what this uh, was inspired by. What got the creative juices flowing for Makeout Party? Um. So what actually very literally inspired this film, I was at uh, I was at a thrift shop and I was looking through some like robes and I found this really funny pink uh, bathrobe that on the back had like um, it was I think a Disney robe, but it had uh, Cinderella and her prince like making out on the back. It was really, really weird. It was the last thing I expected to pull out when I pulled out this like silky kind of weirdly colored robe and and this had this giant like uh, image on the back and I had this like vision of a tight shot starting on that robe and then pulling out and there's someone wearing that robe who's making out and as the shot widens there's just more and more people making out with each other um, and really I was about to move to. Um, to California, and I hadn't really told anyone yet, and I knew I really wanted to make a final uh, film before leaving and have this ex- like experience and opportunity to collaborate with people I hadn't had a chance to yet, um, because the filmmaking community I was a part of and still am a part of in Chicago um, is kind of insular, but we're all so connected to these other groups of people. And there were a lot of artists whose work I really admired, um, who I hadn't had an opportunity to work with yet. So um, it was kind of this excuse and (laughs) chance to collaborate with a bunch of really, really rad uh, artists and filmmakers and um, fashion designers and musicians and performers and all types of interesting creatives uh, before I left. And the costuming and everything, the costuming and the, the work that must have gone into the production of this, you speak about the, the artists that you got to work with and everything. I mean, it must have been quite an undertaking. How long did it take? How long was like the, the production process and how long did it take to get all of the actors dressed up in like all the crazy wardrobes and not like <laughs> painting everybody's skin green and all of that? How, what, was the, what was the process like for that? We actually knocked it out pretty fast. Yeah, pre-production um, was like, I don't know, six weeks before we started. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was pretty quick. The green, the green makeup was definitely an under. That took a couple of hours. We had a special, <laughs> a special effects makeup artist helping us with that. Um, so that was good. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it all kind of came together really organically. Um, Molly Hewitt, who uh helped do production design on the movie we would like go to her, her house and um have these kind of art making parties yeah <laughs> it was a lot of like sitting around in living rooms and, painting yeah. and uh creating things out of talk, cardboard talk, and <laughs> together and well that's that just comes through in the uh in the total vibe of of make out party it's so incredibly fun and loose and goofy while still it's still some it's still revolutionary in a sense because you're showing a lot of different characters that are uh 
so many different identities and especially in terms of this kind of uh, more fluid sexuality where you have some characters who are kind of polyamorous some that are uh you know with both women men or any other uh gender in there uh can you tell us a little bit about why it's why you felt it was important to make sure to be very inclusive with this very this very loving um makeout party mm-hmm. yeah so um this kind of goes back to the the writing process so when i was writing the script um i wrote it so that the characters could really be played by anybody, regardless of gender or, um, you know, sexual preference or um, race. And it really was to give an opportunity for people to, um, you know, be able to step into roles that might not be available. But it was also just done because I really feel like so often... um, actors or performers aren't uh, allowed to have certain roles because uh, that they might be perfect for um, because of some weird predetermined, like, you have to fit into this standard. So um, it was really cool because when casting, it was really just reaching out to um, friends or uh, people whose work I admired, etc., um, to be like, you seem kind of perfect for this role. Would you like to uh, try out for it? Or are you interested in being in this project? Um, so it kind of ties back to this openness to casting, to writing. It, I think it starts, um, you know, in in development for sure. And for as as loving and fun and colorful and sugary the whole thing is, there are some really dark uh storylines that you tackle here i mean one of your characters gets kidnapped by a bunch of helium sucking uh degenerates yeah I guess. greasers alien greasers yeah. alien yeah. greasers <laughs> and and i mean yeah one of them gets kidnapped and then there's you know obviously the the cat calling and then the person drinks i can't what was the juice that she drinks there she turns into the cat monster do you remember? Uh, pussycat kill kill. Yeah, yeah, it's a potion. Yeah. <laughs> and then, so for how how dark everything was, and I mean, to a lesser extent, the character who gets you know the coffee spilled on her eggs. Um, but for all the dark undertones, they all come together in the end. They're all at the same party together. What was the? Um, I guess what was the inspiration for having this? kind of juxtaposition between having everything be extremely colorful and and light in terms of aesthetic but then thematically it's it's pretty dark yeah i mean i i think there's something to be said about uh queering uh violence Mm -hmm. um where we usually perceive violence to be something um with really high stakes and not to say that this film doesn't have like some high stakes but there's still this um lightness to it and like the the knife that band-aid box um is uh confronted with in the alleyway um is covered in duct tape and has fake blood painted on it right Mm -hmm. like there are ways of approaching um I guess these high stakes in cinema that don't necessarily have to be rooted in uh, tragedy or um, I'm not sure. It's, it's, 
I think it's a complicated it's a complicated question. Yeah, it's um, it seems to me that in Make Out Party the it's it's almost uh, three stooges like in a in a sense, and that's not to that's not to make it seem like silly or dumb, but like well constructed. These are fun comedic beats. Um, I really like that it is a comedy of errors that is relatable, and um, there's a great amount of setup and payoff to these jokes in a sense. So like you have one character gets kidnapped and she's stuck with this ba- roving band of, uh, you know, greaser aliens <laughs> with green skin. Right. And then there's that great, you know, payoff where she fights back and she gets help. And they, t- I, I love the special effect where all their tongues are tied together. <laughs> I just, I saw that and I was like, whoever did the special effects on this needs someone pay them. That was Emily, Emily, that. that was fantastic. I couldn't believe it. I was like, wow, that looks so real. It looks like that could actually be it. But um, I do want to commend Makeout Party for being something that does get a little, gets strange and weird, and but brings it all back in this really loving package. Um, I want to throw over to Eve here. As the producer, when you got you know, this idea, you know, from Emily, she says, I want to make this makeout party. It's going to be colorful. It's going to be offbeat and it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, how did you start tackling this? Um, well, yeah, I mean, we met and she was moving, I think maybe it was like three months out from her moving. And so she was like, you know, I want to get started on this soon. And it was kind of, you know, I could tell it was going to be a big undertaking, but the connections were already there. Like she said, it was this really organic sort of reaching out to people and just kind of trying to figure out how can we make this happen. And for me as a producer, it was really like what are all the different areas that I can fill in? Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I was also kind of the AD. I also played a character in the movie. I play Bambi. Um, and it was just sort of like, what what does Emily need? And I'll just fill in wherever that is. So, you know, it was building sets and costumes and trying to figure out how to sort of... Um, organize it all and and make it something that could happen and it could happen in a short amount of time for virtually no money Uh Um, but I felt pretty confident in that because Emily and I both sort of work in this micro budget DIY do it yourself it was a lot of you know let's go to the thrift store let's find the fabric that we have in our back room and let's build this kind of out of nothing Uh Um, and because of that it was it was a really fun experience and it seems to me that sometimes the the role of a film producer is something that folks don't always understand. Um, they're not really sure what that does because everybody thinks, oh, the director tells everybody what to do. You know, the writer has the actual script. The cinematographer sets up, you know, has the camera, chooses the lenses. But producer is kind of this weird, amorphous thing where it's exactly as you described, where you're doing a little bit of everything to make it happen. Um, yeah, it's is this- kind of like you're the wind beneath the wings of the project. <laughs> right, right. Like, let's, what needs to happen? Let's make it happen. Is this... Is this- this your first production or have you produced before uh it's my first production for somebody else i've produced some short films i had a company called the good night ladies and we produced a series of short films um that we had written and directed so this was sort of my first venture producing somebody else's work and, w- um, and what was that like Go, you know taking um emily's uh, you know initial idea and helping it come to fruition I mean, it was wonderful. It's been it's been a fantastic experience. It was super interesting because Emily and I, when we started this project, didn't really know each other that well, and uh, it's been sort of this like amazing journey of like making art and also like developing this really close bond and friendship and sort of figuring out like 
uh, we speak sort of the same language and that became really evident as we were working and so it was sort of this amazing sort of development of like oh okay like you really get me and I get what you're doing and and we were just sort of able to create create this thing out of nothing and it sounds like this team that you guys have together it all works very well in this makeup party now to hear that it was also sort of like a going away party for emily and yeah and for the team do you guys have any more um do you guys have any more plans to maybe make another installment in this crazy world of chicago that you've imagined for yourselves possibly um yeah we have collaborated on a couple things since um, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that we've we've joked that it would it would make sort of it's sort of like a live action cartoon in a lot of ways. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And, uh, and so we were we were joking that it would make maybe a good web series or something like that, but nothing like concrete. I wouldn't say. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Think about it, guys. Yeah. But idea. in in terms of the world, that's very much Emily's. Wor- she builds in this world of sort of fantastical archetypal characters and this you know intensely visual sort of thing. So I'm. I'm confident that there will be more projects down the line that will sort of live in this uh, extended fantastical out, world. Yeah, the make-out party uh, cinematic universe. <laughs> yeah. Disney, it's waiting for you. Yeah, right. Oh, um, my gosh. It's anti-Disney. <laughs> Anti-Disney, yeah. Uh, Emily, I want to – let's get into you as a as a filmmaker. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how you got into working in film and what some of your early experiences either watching or creating uh, cinema? Totally. Um, so my, uh, my parents are both artists. My mom's a photographer, um, so I grew grew up with her in the dark room and kind of around um, her negatives and everything. And my dad uh, is a painter and um, draws, and so I was raised in, like, a super artistic household. Um, And I, let me see, when did I start getting into film? I really wanted to act when I was young, and I had this, like, vision of someday winning an Oscar and... Um, when I was, I started doing theater and when I was, uh, maybe 12 or 13, I got an agent and I started going on auditions and because of my, uh, last name and because I was a little brown girl, um, my agent only sent me out for really, really typecasted, uh, stereotyped roles and told me that, um, no matter what I did, unless I was able to pull uh, his quote, Salma Hayek, <laughs> um, I would be the maid forever, or I would be always like typecasted in these roles. And finally, I got sent out uh, for a role um, that was for border control. And uh, my, you know, half of my family is Mexican. And I quit my agency. <laughs> yeah. And um, started making movies. And I think, you know, something that's really important to me in filmmaking is to have these worlds, create these universes that um, I want to see for myself, that I would love to live in, that, like, I don't have access to. And that's changing, you know. I think it's really exciting because I'm seeing that change a lot now. But um, from where I came from, that that wasn't necessarily the case. So um, I think part of filmmaking for me a huge part is being able to create these roles and these worlds that exist kind of outside of our um normal day-to-day life (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean that's a, I that's horrifying that that's an experience that that an agent thought you know an agent thought like I'm a I'm yes, a big hotshot yeah. I'm gonna tell <laughs> this kid listen you're gonna be the maid forever kid. <laughs> This is who you are. Uh, like, and I'm, I'm, that makes makeout parties so much more fun to watch because it feels it feels rebellious. It feels like, you know, as I said, it feels fluid. Anybody could inhabit these roles, and it's um, a celebration of that diverse nature of the city, as opposed to saying, you know, this person, you know, this person has to be this role because X, Y, Z. I feel like everybody could change around. And uh, right. you would you would still get that fun light product and so colorful, right? Well, you know, cinema is dangerous, and I feel like people have been playing it safe for too long. Whether it's Hollywood's fault, um, I'm not sure, but uh, I think there's so many opportunities. Like, I love film because it gives. Uh, it's the perfect medium to uh, be rebellious and to kind of take on these crazy projects because as much as the film itself um, is like this super fun uh, kind of bratty <laughs> piece, <laughs> it was also the experience of making it and like, you know, everything was shot uh, DIY, guerrilla, like on location, um, just run and gun like we made it for maybe twelve hundred dollars, <laughs> um, just really, really insane uh, experience. And like everybody donated their time and energy and, the locations, and um, people, locations, Chicago's even, amazing like, local place. businesses. Yeah, yeah. just uh, it was such a team effort that um, you know it really does show how truly rebellious and game changing uh, cinema can be because it's you know, community-based, ultimately. And and now the ag- the agent that told you that you're just going to be typecast forever, he can kind of eat his own words because you have created right. this <laughs> this movie that... I I can't believe that it was made for $1,200, quick sidebar. I was, I was imagining a much higher number because it, it looks a lot better than that. But Yeah. <laughs> but I think that's proof that, like, if you have a strong community and a group of artists that are willing to work together, you can really create something that's visually stunning for Truly. no money. You know, it's it's about the team that you have and it's about their willingness to put in the work and, and create something out of nothing. And I think that the cultural statement that it makes is important as well because, I mean, that's playing out how people are receptive to that, receptive to not only just diversity in in race and sexuality and, and all of that, but it's it's playing out not only in the independent circuit, but on the, like, on the big studio circuit as well, obviously. You see movies like Black Panther. It's destroying the box office. People so want good. to see... I actually haven't seen it yet. It's oh, good. My God, yeah. oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's great. It yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, damn it! Now I need to go. Yeah. See my <laughs> but um, you're absolutely right. It's um, these these diverse stories that are ultimately happening at at this level, at the DIY independent level, that are pushing upwards. Um, I wanted to ask both of you: uh, Are there particular filmmakers that you find inspiring to this sort of process, um, especially with with your DIY background? Um, you know watching this movie i feel like there was there was almost a 
uh, to to beleaguer a point that's always always been said. Like there was a Lynchian sort of feel to it, where it was <laughs> oh, so yeah. it was so dreamlike, and there were just um, <laughs> sp- just off the top of my head, there were some shots where it was kind of it had a vignette sort. It was like a fisheye lens vignette oh, around yeah. it, and I'm just like I feel like I'm watching this wild dream and i want i want to stay asleep forever because it's and, so much and fun. to piggyback off of that a couple of my favorite things from the movie were um eve's character when she's just like cutting her hand yeah. over the, oh, yeah. the, the, self, the, the sacrifice yeah and yeah. just like writhing on the ground until she gets a call and then uh the other one which i wanted to actually um ask you about emily because i was a little disappointed with uh where this character's arc went uh poor mambo king yeah. Oh yeah, Mambo Kink. Yeah. Or was it King or Kink? Kink. Oh damn it. Yeah. Was that was that our yeah. was that our stoner friend? Yeah, that was the stoner oh, friend my gosh. that yeah. forgot about the party. Yep. <laughs> I mean, we've all been there, right? Yeah, yeah that's know. true. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's yeah. funny that you say Lynchy and Emily and I are both Aquarius, and he's also an Aquarius. So oh. perhaps that's some of what you're picking up on there. Yeah. Um, the dream world. Born under the right sign. <laughs> when it comes to Chicago, so uh, Emily, you were here in Chicago. Now you're out in LA. What do you feel the the differences in the filmmaking community? Um. So right now, I'm actually I'm kind of all over the place, kind of bouncing between uh, Northern California, LA, and Chicago, and mm-hmm. just New York. Not really locking down. <laughs> yes, yeah, not really locking down too much right now, but. Um, you know, I feel like Chicago is super unique in the sense that the communities that I've encountered and have been lucky enough um, to be a part of here or there <laughs> uh, are, are, are super unmatched in the sense that people are so willing and committed to do it for the art to do it for uh, for the very sake of raising each other up and helping each other. Um, my time, I was exclusively in L.A. Uh, last year for about a year, and my experience there, I actually ended up meeting a bunch of people from Chicago. Um, I, there's a kind of running joke in L.A. that everyone loves people from Chicago because they're really hard workers. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's true, you'd run into people on set uh, who we're from Chicago and, and there's kind of this instant bond um, where you can, you know, you've experienced <laughs> suffering from winter and so you know what that's like and it these small things that kind of link you together. Um, I feel like some other places I've been, uh, specifically LA, is so about industry um, that sometimes I feel like the art gets lost. And you'll talk to people who are like, oh, yeah, I realized I, I moved here to be a director, but I haven't made a film in, you know, four years. And it's pretty hard to hear, and it's pretty scary. It's part of the reason why I had to, you know, uproot myself from just being in L.A., because um, I really didn't want to get sucked into that, uh, that daily grind. Um, I feel like Chicago really allows you to be an artist. Um, the types of friendships and support that you can foster is pretty unmatched. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I uh, I came to Chicago for school to study acting and have stayed on for about 12 years now at this point. And I think a big reason why that is is because I'm able to be a full-time freelance artist here and I'm able to really focus on the art that I want to make and have people show up and help make it with me um i think there's so much less of 
you can have sort of this the the cost of living here is such that you don't have to focus on you know making a ton of money all the time and so you're able to really put a lot more emphasis on the kind of art that you want to make and helping other people around you um, and supporting like the artistic community as opposed to sort of putting all the emphasis on oh my gosh I've got to pay my bills and I've got to I've mm-hmm. got to work this commercial job that I really don't believe in you can kind of put your morals first as an artist in Chicago which I think is mm-hmm. really valuable and awesome so in, in it's not, yeah go ahead oh sorry um in in your opinions um why do you think that is here in Chicago um because I feel, and I feel like this has been a recent development this is something we talk about a lot on the show is that um Chicago is getting into this almost cultural zenith of of art and uh, people participating while still keeping this kind of hardworking city of broad shoulders uh, mentality and aesthetic. Uh, DIY is is such the way to be here in Chicago. What what is it about the city that in, engenders that sort of mentality? I think for me, it's community. Well- that's that would be my the thing that jumps to mind and i think that it has to do with the environment right it's a harsh environment and i mean at least in the winter time um and that you really have to mean it you have to say like i'm i'm committing to this and i'm going to go outside and i'm going to go to my friend's apartment and work on this piece of art and you really have to commit to it when you're doing that and it's this sense of community that um allows allows all of this art to to show up and you know thrive i think it's also i think it's also like uh you know new york and la are thought of such art epicenters because that's a lot of what the city has culturally identified you know put kind of on the map as like oh we're in new york of course we're fashion and you know film and etc music and la as well with with the film industry and art um but I, I feel like it's really difficult for artists in Chicago. Like, the city isn't very supportive, especially to struggling, independent, underground DIY artists, um, artists from, like, diverse backgrounds, you know. And so with a city that isn't always very supportive, uh, you still have these artists who are willing to or have to make art, have this drive to create, you know, against any other circumstance that you're going to fight really hard to do that. And so I think part of what makes the communities here in Chicago so special um, is that there is, like Eve was saying, this survival, this like need to keep these, you know, DIY venues going to um, keep these like queer art nights going to, you know, keep this culture afloat in a city that's trying to uh, repress them. Mm-hmm. And, and another thing that I notice, particularly in Make Out Party, but in a lot of the films that we've seen in uh, the past episodes that we've done, there's always, uh, it's never want for authenticity. Um, and something that, it's something that audiences, modern audiences, value immensely is authenticity in the cinema that they're watching and i think that some of the criticisms that i've read about for films that are being that are coming out of hollywood and that are coming you know from new york and tv shows that are coming from other places is it's not really capturing something that a story that hasn't been told before and so that's why i mean I think I can speak for Tom and I both that we're just very we're very grateful that we get to you know have this this opportunity to be able to speak with these you know artists such as yourselves who are you know going out there and trying to actually you know put their 
stories and experiences in in different lights and in mm-hmm. interesting interesting manners. And the adversity is, uh, you know, that's for me. That's the mother of invention and creativity. Is that if someone's going to push back, oh, yeah. then you always push back a little bit harder, and that's how you get something like Makeout Party that uh, is. Just it's so its own. It's so original, and it feels uh, it feels like you know something that uh, we can hold on to. It feels tangible and like yeah, that came from Chicago. That came from a bunch of really amazing artists that got together and said, "Fuck it, let's just do this. Let's make this happen." Right? Yeah, and I mean, you mm-hmm. that's 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 where all the creativity comes from. Is if you don't have the funds, you have to figure out how to do it in a different way, and mm-hmm. uh, and that way is duct tape. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> stocks, stocks, and duct tape yeah. are going up here in yeah. Chicago. <laughs> All right. Uh, I want to move on to this world premiere that's coming up on the 30th and the 31st. Uh, it's co presented with the Chicago Underground Film Fest and also Full Spectrum Features. And this is part of Chicago Underground Film Fest, their 25th anniversary. You yeah, said? yeah. They've yep. been around for 25 years. Oh, my gosh. Who, who would have ever expected that an underground film festival would just keep going like this and it, it achieves such prominence really i mean it's hard to jump into the film community here in chicago without hearing about the chicago underground film fest um so this world premiere uh it's the friday and saturday uh here at the end of march can you guys give us a little bit of a preview of what to expect i hear it's going to be a huge party a carnival even yeah, yeah. there's definitely some carnival elements um it's it's going to be a super fun party uh we are um making as we speak uh these really fun carnival games that are sort of based around characters in the movie um so there'll be some games for people to play and we're gonna have food uh some tamales and popsicles and drinks obviously um and basically uh yeah like a celebration of diy filmmaking and um also an immersive event that kind of puts you in the world of the film. Um, so like Eve was saying, some of these uh, sets that were, or not sets, but um, like games we're building and actually transforming the space is going to be indicative of the film style. Um, sort of like you can spend a night in the world of makeout parties. So, uh, and right, there will right. also be some live performances from really wonderful people. Um and a kissing booth. Mm-hmm, of course, a kissing Naturally. booth. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so and then we'll have some live performances, and then we're going to screen the film. And we've got a DJ dance party happening after that on Friday night. Um, Alex White from the band White Mystery is oh, DJing. Oh, what? Nice. Um, I love White yeah. Mystery. Yeah. So oh, my gosh. That'll be really fun. Keep and- it in Chicago for real. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, fr- yeah. Uh, Saturday night, we have Michael DeVille is performing oh and gosh. Sarah Squirm, who's a hilarious comedian. Um, and is she, also just, she just got profiled in the, the Chicago Reader. Reader. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So some really and Chicago then, uh, talent. Vodes, who's an interdisciplinary artist. Uh, is also performing on Saturday, and then on Friday we have music from Co. Um, and then one more. Oh, and uh, Magic Snap is going yeah. to be doing Magic. Yeah. Yes. Well, now I'm sold. Really amazing. Yeah, it's going to be really fun. And the performances. I mean, if you want to come both nights, they're going to be different. Um, so each night will have its kind of own vibe. But the space is going to be all decked out, and just wear your craziest outfit. And we hope you can come and party with us. For it's sure. Be really fun. Oh, also, both nights are going to be emceed by Alex oh. Brelli, 
um, who's an amazing performer and is hilarious and so talented and also makes a guest appearance, a cameo as uh, Brenda the Waitress. Oh, oh my yeah. God. Yeah. So the, Brenda. Yeah, the whole <laughs> night will be hosted by Brenda. Um, there's going to be some... In character or... Yes, Brenda's going to be in character and she's going to be performing some uh, some dance and uh, songs. <laughs> um, oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah, so we're going to get to see the theatrical side of Brenda. Very nice. We fun. also have some, uh, yeah, some of the... I believe alien greasers are going to be there on Saturday mm-hmm. uh, in costume. You can suck some helium. Should, we, yeah. should, should yeah. we be worried about that? Or yeah, I don't know. I mean, they're pretty fun to hang out with. They're kind of jerks sometimes, but I think if you can, you know, you can find the warm fuzziness inside of them. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, where is this going to be taking place? Uh, it's hosted at Vam Studios, okay. and uh, we should note that you can. It's a private event, so you can only buy tickets ahead of time, um, mm-hmm. and. Uh, you can get the tickets online. The link, I think, will be posted along with this uh, podcast. And it'll be hosted at VAM Studios, but you have to get your tickets ahead of time. So make sure to do that. Uh, and the address will be revealed to you when you... Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. This yeah. is fun. Now yes. there's a, a mystery to go along with yeah. Just, I want to ask real quickly, um, events are becoming more and more a staple of the Chicago film community like really almost every time i talk to someone if they have a a premiere going on it's not just the premiere maybe a cocktail hour it is like we're gonna have live entertainment we're gonna have you know games we're gonna do this that um what goes into making that all happen this is this is huge this sounds like a huge undertaking like how did you guys put this all together Uh, a lot Uh, even i both have uh experience in hosting and Creating and creating DIY events. Yeah, we both in our in our time have lived in DIY spaces and thrown uh, thrown events and curated things, and yeah. so this was sort of like pulling on those skills that we had from previous things that we've done and. Um, trying to come up with a, you know, you can screen your film at a festival and it'll play in a shorts program at like 3 p.m. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, and that's awesome and it's cool. But it so much of the ethos of this film is this uh, DIY fun, like, you know, scene that we wanted. We wanted the premiere to reflect that and uh, be an opportunity for the community that made the film to come out and celebrate and uh, share it with Chicago. So we felt right. like that was a much because- better way. Right, because you know we are uh, we are submitting to festivals. Um, we just got into Athens uh, International Film and Video Festival, which is really exciting. But ultimately, it's not about the laurels. You know, this film wasn't made for uh, for that sort of um, those sorts of accolades exclusively. Right, it's really first and foremost a thank you, a love letter to the community, like. Uh, it's really important to have these events that bring people together and um, celebrate, remind us like why why we're actually doing this. Um, that was a big a really reason. Fun way. Yeah, and that was a big reason why we wanted to make sure that Chicago was really the first community to see the film. Mm-hmm. It's premiering here because this is this is the city that made it, and we want to say thank you. Well, that is super fantastic. It's going to be on Friday, March 30th, and Saturday, March 31st. Uh, We're going to post the link on where to get tickets and um, all that good stuff. That's going to be on Facebook, NoCo Cinema Podcast, and Twitter as well. And hopefully this Instagram, if we can... no, We'll go from No Post Cinema to NoCo Cinema on Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Thank you so much. Two amazing artists, writer and director Emily Esperanza and producer 
Eve Rydberg makeout party. Again, get to that world premiere. It's going to be a whale of a time. Uh, thank you both so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. Thanks so much. It was great Thanks talking for having with you. us. All right. Uh, thank you so much for listening to this episode of No Coast Cinema. Um, we'll be back next week as as usual. as we want to do. Yeah. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe as long not. as as long as we're not sick or tired or you know. Yeah, I will. Up on the wrong side of the I room. will say there will be a week. I will be. Uh, I will be out. I will be in Scotland, rediscovering my roots and going up hills and things. You so. only get one of those a year, Tom. No Coast Cinema here on WGM Plus. We are your guide to cinema here in the city of Chicago. I'm Tom Hush, and I'm Connor Cornelius, and we'll see you all next week. <laughs>